Welcome to Monday Morning Murder in the News with Alyssa Carroll. Good morning, heathens, and happy Murder in the News Monday that I'm going to try to release every single Monday morning, although this will be for Tuesday morning, because the rest of the regular news is just hot, scary garbage, and you know you'd rather be hearing me and my bullshit anyway. So, I've scoured the internet for the headlines so you don't have to. Happy commuting, and here we go. So our first article comes from NewsNationNow.com. The title reads, Koberger allegedly broke into female colleague's home. Now this is the guy who has been charged with the murders of the four Idaho college students. So the man suspected of killing four University of Idaho students allegedly broke into a female colleague's home apparently in hopes that she'd respond by asking his help in installing security cameras. What a moron. So according to Dateline and News Nation's sources, Koberger befriended a woman at Washington State University, which he attended and worked at, and broke into her property months before the killings, moving things around but not stealing anything. The woman, who was not identified, then allegedly asked Koberger to come over to assist her, and that's when he suggested she get security cameras. Reports say he offered to install them, to which she agreed. Authorities believe he could have accessed the footage remotely because he knew her Wi-Fi password. Guys, come on. Come on. And then, of course, we have from abcnews.go.com, and most of you should already know this, but Brian Koberger, quote, stands silent at arraignment, not guilty plea entered. So this article says Brian Koberger, the suspect accused of killing the students, chose to stand silent during his arraignment Monday. This was this last Monday. Koberger, 28, did not respond to the judge when asked for his plea, and his lawyer specified he was, quote, standing silent. By not responding, the judge entered a not guilty plea on his behalf, and a trial date is set for October 2nd. So add it to your calendars, write it down. This is going to be another one that we'll be watching closely. So then our last little bit of Brian Koberger news, right, comes out of the New York Post. The title reads, Brian Koberger dragged into missing woman cold case after online sleuths tip off family. So University of Idaho murders suspect Brian Koberger has been dragged into an investigation into a missing Pennsylvania woman who was recently found dead after armchair detectives got involved. The remains of Dana Smithers, 45, were found late last month after she went missing in May of 2022. She was last seen alive, leaving a friend's home in Monroe County, the same area where Koberger lived before moving across the country to attend Washington State University. Smithers' sister, Stacy, revealed the connection was made by online sleuths who reached out to her with tips on a Facebook page dedicated to, quote, finding Dana. She wrote about the amateur sleuths in a post on January 2nd, thanking them for, quote, reaching out recently regarding the possibility of the suspect in the horrific murders in Idaho having been in our area around the time of my sister Dana's disappearance, end quote. 
She added she forwarded the tips to local law enforcement who would go on to discover Smithers' body in a wooded area in Stroudsburg on April 27th, about 30 miles from Koberger's family home. Her cause of death remains unknown. So police are investigating any possible ties between Koberger and Smithers' disappearance with his parents recently called to testify before a Pennsylvania grand jury in this case. A source close to the case, however, said Koberger does have a solid alibi, according to the local outlet, and he has never been named as a suspect in her death. And I also think this one probably isn't his M.O. I mean, she was in her 40s and so on, but, you know, I'll keep you informed. So our next article comes from NBC News. The title reads, Man charged with killing boy nine years after five-year-old was found in suitcase. So nine years after a five-year-old was found dead in a suitcase near an interstate, a Massachusetts man was charged in the death. Alberto L. Sierra Jr., 32, pleaded not guilty to a murder charge this last Thursday. The Fitchburg man is accused of killing Jeremiah Oliver. Sierra was the boy's mother's boyfriend. So Jeremiah was reported missing in late 2013, and his body was found in a suitcase off I-190 in Sterling on April 18, 2014. The medical examiner's office determined the manner of death as homicide and cause as, quote, homicidal violence of undetermined etiology, the prosecution's office said. Sierra was arrested Wednesday on charges of murder and disinterring of a body, according to NBC Boston. He is being held in jail without bail, and it was not clear from available online records if he has retained an attorney. The news release from the district attorney's office did not detail what led to the recent arrest and indictments. But in 2017, Sierra pleaded guilty to assault and battery charges against the mother and two of her three children. He was sentenced to six to seven years in prison. But at the time, he had not been charged in the boy's death. The boy's mother, Elsa Oliver, also pleaded guilty in 2017 to assault and battery and two counts of reckless endangerment of a child and was sentenced to seven and a half years of prison. <sighs> Elsa Oliver and the children had been involved with the State Department of Children and Families before Jeremiah disappeared. A social worker who failed to regularly visit Oliver and her children and two supervisors were fired in the aftermath of the disappearance and death, according to a report by the State Office of the Child Advocate. The state made changes to things like home visits and case reviews, it said. Now, this is the shit that really grinds my gears, guys. It really pisses me off. Why do you have children just to abuse them and neglect them? I, I don't understand. I really don't. Oh, it just infuriates me. But moving on. So our next article also comes from NBCNews.com, and the title reads, Father Dead and Two Children Injured After Grenade Detonates in Indiana Home. The family was going through a grandfather's belongings when they found a grenade and someone pulled its pin. 
A father is dead and his two children were injured when a grenade detonated in their Indiana home on Saturday, according to authorities. The deceased was identified Sunday by the Lake County Coroner's Office as Brian Niedert, I believe that's how it's pronounced, 47 years old. Quote, injuries, cause, and manner of death are all pending, it said in a statement, which seems kind of obvious to me, but whatever. The Lake County Sheriff's Department responded to the home in the 3400 block of West Lakeshore Drive around 6.30 p.m. for a reported explosion. The family was looking through a grandfather's belongings at the northwestern Indiana home when they found a hand grenade. The device detonated when someone reportedly pulled its pin, the sheriff's department says. The father was found unresponsive and later pronounced dead. His two children, a 17-year-old boy and an 18-year-old girl, were taken to an area hospital with shrapnel wounds. The Porter County Bomb Squad responded to the area to secure it and determine if there were any other explosive devices. The Lake County Sheriff's Department is continuing to investigate. The coroner's office is said that an autopsy on the remains would be performed on Monday, which I understand is protocol and needs to happen, but I think we know pretty much what happened and how he died. But anyway... So our next article comes from CBS News. The title reads, Body with Signs of Trauma Found in Northwest Baltimore. So police are investigating a homicide after a body was found Sunday, last Sunday afternoon in Northwest Baltimore. Officers responded around 2.20 p.m. to the 2700 block of North Longwood Street, where a male was found with signs of trauma to his body. He was pronounced dead at the location. The cause of death will be determined by the medical examiner's office. So, short one, but nonetheless, dead body found, Baltimore. I'm getting a little bit scared of uh, up there in the Northeast, you know. And our next article comes from Fox 10 Phoenix. Now, if you remember, we talked about the hiker, the guy killed her. You know, we could kind of see on a security camera, so on and so forth, right? So a man has been indicted for the murder death of this Phoenix hiker. This comes from Fox 10 Phoenix. Okay, so a man has been indicted by a grand jury in the murder of Lauren Hike. I believe that's how it's pronounced, a hiker who was found dead on a North Phoenix trail. Zion William Teasley, 22, was arrested earlier this month in her murder. According to court documents, she was stabbed 15 times. Her body was found on April 29th. Teasley was indicted with one count of first-degree murder. Quote, My heart goes out to the victim's family and the pain they are experiencing, losing their loved one in this manner, said County Attorney Rachel Mitchell. Quote, our office will work diligently to seek justice for Lauren and her family. So I'm glad that they caught whoever this guy is that stabbed her. So our next article comes from InsideEdition.com. Title reads, former teacher of the year accused of having sex with teen student may have other victims, the cops say. So a California math teacher's alleged victim is a 16-year-old student who attends the school at which she teaches, and authorities say they believe there may be additional victims. 
Tracy Vanderholst was once named Teacher of the Year at the California High School where she taught math, according to her school. Now, the 38-year-old educator is accused of having sex with a 16-year-old student. She was arrested last week for unlawful sexual intercourse involving a minor, according to the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office. Quote, Detectives believe there may be additional victims, according to a police statement. Now, this teacher was hired in 2017 to teach math at the, I'm not even going to try to pronounce that, YUCAIPA High School, located east of Los Angeles, according to Facebook posts that were shared by the school. That same year, she was honored during a monthly school board meeting as the school's, quote, teacher of the year and was described as a, quote, innovative teacher from whom we hope our children will grow, according to the News Mirror. Now, her alleged victim was a male student at the high school, and it is not clear when the alleged crime happened and whether her alleged victim is still a student at the school. But she has been released on $30,000 bail and a following court date has not yet been scheduled. So anyone with any more information about her, any possible other victims, is encouraged to contact Detective Rachel Young of the Specialized Investigations Division Crimes Against Children detail at 909 909- Eight nine zero four nine zero four. So, hopefully, no more other victims. But if so, there's the number. Our next article comes from Inside Edition, and the title reads: "Man allegedly killed grandma with hammer, beat grandpa, then called housekeeper to clean the mess." I don't mean to make this humorous. It shouldn't be. So the cops said that the housekeeper left the home, quote, under the pretense she needed to get cleaning supplies from her car, but instead she immediately drove away and flagged down a nearby deputy who was in his patrol car, according to the arrest report. A Florida man, and how much I actually love saying that, a Florida man has been arrested after cops say he allegedly beat his grandma to death with a hammer and severely beat his grandfather before he called a housekeeper to clean up the bloody mess, according to reports. Now, Anthony Michael Corrado, 34, of Naples, Florida, was arrested Wednesday after cops say he called the maid to clean up a, quote, real mess at a home in Golden Gate Estates. The arrest report obtained by Inside Edition Digital alleges that when the housekeeper, whose name was redacted, arrived at the Golden Gate Estates just before 2.30 p.m., he was completely covered in blood and he led her to a bedroom where his grandmother's lifeless body lay. Cops say the housekeeper left the home under the pretense that she needed to get the cleaning supplies, but instead... She drove and flagged down a policeman. Okay, so when the police arrived, they say that the man was standing outside the home with blood on his clothing and was immediately arrested. When authorities searched the home, they found the elderly woman beaten and a bag around her head, while his grandfather was wrapped in a blanket with severe head injuries in another room. Deputies said they also found a hammer with blood on a kitchen countertop. Blood was on the walls, 
the floors inside the home as well, the arrest report said. So the home belonged to his grandparents, who a neighbor identified as Mary and Tony. In 2018, Mary took out an order of protection against Anthony. Anthony is facing charges of second-degree murder and aggravated battery on a person over 65 years of age. Second-degree murder? Second-degree murder? Second-degree murder? He did not appear at his bond hearing last week where a judge set no bond based on probable cause to hold him in jail. The judge also ordered him to have no contact with his grandfather. Oh, this was, okay, yeah. He has not yet entered a plea and is due back in court next month. Okay, so our next article comes from cbsnews.com. The title says, Search Continues for Missing Ildewild Mother. Hope I didn't mispronounce that. Mother of three daughters who were staying at a hotel in Hemet. Authorities are searching for a missing woman and her three daughters who were last seen in early May. According to Riverside County Sheriff's Department deputies with the Hemet Station, Myra Perez Posadas, 33, and her three daughters, 16-year-old Amarani Perez Romero, 12-year-old Kaylee Perez Romero, and 5-year-old name is not listed, were all staying in a hotel in Hemet but have not been seen in weeks. Deputies believe that the issue may be related to a parental abduction and are asking anyone with additional information to contact them at 951-791-3400. So if you know or see or hear anything, call that number. Our next article comes from the Huffington Post. Title reads, 16-year-old girl saves sister from drowning after mom allegedly kills sibling. So this is going on in Columbia, South Carolina. A mother drowned one of her daughters in their South Carolina home and was trying to kill another child when the oldest daughter was awakened by screams and managed to save her sister. Jamie Bradley Brune, 37, was charged with murder and attempted murder after the early attack Friday in their home on St. Helena Island, Buford County Sheriff P.J. Tanner said at a news conference. Now, Brune has talked to investigators, and Tanner called it a horrific crime, but told reporters he wouldn't say why Brune wanted to kill her children. Quote, I'm not a mental health expert. It's not my job to determine if someone has a mental health problem, the sheriff said. But Brune's 16-year-old daughter was asleep around 1.30 a.m. Friday when her 8-year-old sister's screams woke her up. The sheriff wouldn't detail how the mother was trying to drown her child, but said the girl's cries were coming from the bathroom. I mean, we all kind of know how drowning works, right? We all have a pretty damn good idea of what happens when someone's drowning someone at beside the point. So the teen went into the bathroom and managed to wrestle her sister away from her mother and run to a nearby family member's house to call 911. Quote, I'm very proud of her. I think she did an unbelievable job. She defended her family when no one else was available. End quote. Tanner said that her courage is amazing. 
So deputies arrived eight minutes later and found Brune and her six-year-old daughter, who was later pronounced dead at the hospital, after CPR by officers and paramedics could not revive her. Brune tried to grab a deputy's gun as she was arrested and officers shocked her with a taser to take her into custody. I don't blame them. She was reaching for the gun. Brune is being held without bond. Jail and court records didn't indicate if she had a lawyer. The eight-year-old did not appear to be seriously injured and the sheriff said she and her teen sister are being cared for by other family members. Now, the mother had no arrest record in South Carolina, and authorities have been called to the house only once about two years ago after a school employee was concerned about the mental health of one of the children. So there's a lot more information that we need to know, a lot more details, and obviously they're not sharing that yet. But thank God that teenage sister saved her sibling. I love that. Okay, guys, now this next one is going to be kind of rough. It involves seriously fucked up stuff happening to a very small child. So if you are very sensitive to these sort of things, you can stop here. It's okay. It's not going to hurt my feelings or, you know, fast forward a minute or two. Okay. But this one comes from Fox 26 News. I haven't read this whole article. The title alone is just rough. Okay, so it says, man... A woman arrested in Arkansas following rape of a five-year-old with a power tool. So again, skip this if you need to. So this is coming out of Little Rock, Arkansas. A man and woman were arrested last month after authorities said they held down a five-year-old and raped her with a power tool in Arkansas. According to the Logan County Sheriff's Office, 24-year-old Soraya Galvin and 26-year-old Andrew Gibney were both arrested and charged with rape of the girl in the southern part of the county. The sheriff's office said in a Facebook post that a report was made last month regarding the supposed rape. Now, here is the Facebook post. Arrests for rape. Last month, a report was made to the Logan County Sheriff's Office regarding the alleged rape of a five-year-old child in South Logan County. The victim was interviewed at a child safety center in Fort Smith by a forensic interviewer who is specifically trained to interview children. The center also provides services for the collection of evidence from the victim and a nurse at the center collected evidence. Evidence was also collected where the alleged rape occurred as well. Our criminal investigation division is working the case. The suspects left right after this happened and went to Oklahoma. Since the suspects fled to Oklahoma, which, side note, is becoming quite hood apparently, our investigators worked with our prosecuting attorney's office and we obtained a warrant quickly to get the suspects back to Arkansas. The suspects were located in Oklahoma and returned to Arkansas and placed in the Logan County Detention Center. They are both charged with rape, a Class Y felony, and each have a $100,000 bond. Seems low. Soraya is currently being held in the Franklin County Detention Center while Andrew is in our facility. Our prayers are with the victim and the family. So again, as the news article goes on, the victim was interviewed at the Child Safety Center in Fort Smith, and the center provided services for collecting evidence. Authorities said evidence was collected from where the rape took place. The LSCO Criminal Investigation Division is working on the case. Quote, 
It is alleged that the suspects held down a five-year-old female victim and forcibly inserted the end of a power tool. I'm not finishing that sentence. This caused injury to the victim. Both Galvan and Salisaw, Oklahoma, and Gibney of Boonville, Arkansas, left right after this happened and went to Oklahoma. Uh, did they abandon the child? What the fuck? Since they both fled to Oklahoma, then they worked to get him back. That was in the Facebook post. So authorities said the suspects were located in Oklahoma. $100,000 bond. That's the end of the article. Anyway, disgusting. Moving on. So our next article comes from people.com and the title reads, he went on family feud and joked that he regretted marrying his wife. Now he's on trial for murder. So a man named Timothy, not going to try to pronounce his last name, 39, is charged with two counts of first degree murder and one count of home invasion in connection with the death of Rebecca. They share that same last name. The estranged wife of a former Family Feud contestant suspected of her murder told her sister she, quote, feared for her life prior to her death. Timothy is accused of killing Rebecca in her Quincy, Illinois home earlier this year. The pair were going through a divorce at the time of the slaying. Now, Timothy, 39, is charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of home invasion in connection with Rebecca's death, and he has pleaded, of course, conveniently, not guilty. On Tuesday, witnesses for the prosecution took the stand, including one of Rebecca's sisters, Sarah. Sarah testified that Rebecca, 41, had previously made it known she was concerned for her estranged husband and the fact that he might end up physically hurting her. The sister said Rebecca texted her in September 2021, quote, If something ever happens to me, make sure the number one person of interest is Tim. I am putting this in writing that I'm fearful he will somehow harm me, end quote. The prosecution is also accusing Timothy of conducting a number of disturbing internet searches around the time of Rebecca's alleged murder, including instructions on how to use a crowbar to open a window, how to make a homemade silencer, and local police response times. Amateur. Rebecca's father, William, found her dead on her bathroom floor after she failed to pick up her three kids from school. Two and a half weeks later, Timothy was charged with her murder. So prosecutors allege he used a crowbar to break into Rebecca's second story bedroom where he proceeded to shoot her, not once, my beloveds, not even twice, nay, nay, 14 times. He shot her 14 times. Timothy and some of his family members were previously contestants on the game show Family Feud in an episode that aired in 2020. When asked by host Steve Harvey, quote, what's your biggest mistake you made at your wedding? Timothy replied, quote, honey, I love you, but said I do, end quote. Quote, not my mistake, not my mistake. I love my wife. I'm going to get in trouble for that, aren't I? He said. The episode was originally taped in the fall of 2019. Holy cow. Whew. That almost gave me goosebumps. <sighs> okay, so 
for our next article wanted to go a little international. This is from thehill.com. Title reads, seven men appear in Northern Ireland court on attempted murder charges related to shooting of detective. So this article is coming out of London, but it's about Northern Ireland. So, seven men appeared in court Monday on charges of attempted murder related to the February attack on a senior Northern Ireland police officer who was shot after his son's soccer practice. The suspects, ranging in age from 28 to 72, appeared by video link at the magistrate's court about 45 miles or 72 kilometers west of Belfast. They were ordered to remain in custody. So, Detective Chief Inspector John Caldwell was seriously wounded when gunmen opened fire on him at a sports complex as he put soccer balls in the trunk of his car after coaching an under-15 team, or football for my European listeners. So sorry about that. A dissident splinter group of the Irish Republican Army claimed responsibility for the February 22nd attack on Caldwell, who has led investigations into killings, organized crime, and paramilitary groups. Okay, so we see now. The shooting came less than two months before the 25th anniversary of the 1998 Good Friday Agreement, which largely ended the sectarian conflict in Northern Ireland. Although the main Catholic and Protestant paramilitary groups gave up violence and put down their weapons, IRA splinter groups continue to mount sporadic attacks on security forces. Ugh. Politicians from across Ireland's political divide, including the Irish Nationalist Party, which was allied with the IRA during decades of Catholic-Protestant violence, condemned the attack on Caldwell. Caldwell, who was hospitalized for several weeks after the shooting, made a public appearance during a garden party during King Charles III's visit to Northern Ireland last week. It's weird to call him King Charles, but that's not the point. The police service of Northern Ireland said Saturday that seven men had been charged with attempted murder in connection with the attack on Caldwell. Two of the suspects were also charged with membership in a proscribed organization namely the IRA, and three charged with the preparation of terrorist acts. So apparently there's still a lot of conflict between the Protestant Catholic situation in Northern Ireland, which makes me sad. Any kind of fighting because of religion makes me super sad. But anyway, I'm glad that he wasn't killed and that he survived. Our next article brings us back home. Well, home to me in the United States by the dailybeast.com. Bruised six-year-old found dead in filthy Bronx apartment. Bronx being in New York. A six-year-old girl was found dead in a squalid Bronx apartment where police had been summoned in the past to investigate arguments and allegations of child neglect. Jalea Eason had bruises on her wrists and chest and two other children in the apartment also had bruises. Quote, mommy hit me, one of those children told police, a law enforcement source told the Daily News. No cause of death has been pinpointed and no arrests have been made. Interesting, considering the child said mommy hit me and so on. But anyway, so bruised six-year-old found dead in filthy Bronx apartment. Ugh, horrible. 
Our next article comes from People.com. The title reads, How a Woman Set on Fire by X Testified from the Grave to Put Him Behind Bars for Life. Judy Malinowski, the subject of a new MTV documentary, became the first person in history to testify at her own murder trial in 2018. Interesting. So against all odds, Judy was going to ensure that the man who burned her alive would receive a life behind bars. He deserves worse than that. The 31-year-old mother of two who died in June 2017 spent two years in a hospital bed after an argument with her ex-boyfriend, Michael Slager, ended with him dousing her in gasoline and lighting her on fire outside of a suburban gas station. Malinowski, a former homecoming queen who her mother, Bonnie, says was friends with everybody, needed to be revived seven times and required more than 50 agonizing surgeries to stay alive. The attack left 90% of her body covered in burns. So when this man was only sentenced to 11 years in prison, after he pleaded no contest to aggravated arson charges, Malinowski found a new purpose to hold on for life and make sure her voice would be heard. Judy said, quote, Mom, not even an ant should be set on fire. I got a life sentence and he didn't, her mother said in this week's issue of People. So shortly before her death in 2017, she spent weeks weaning off pain medication to a point where she could prove to a judge she was of sound mind. Then she spent three hours testifying against him, who she said refused her pleas for help after he lit her ablaze. Quote, the look on his face was pure evil, she says in the video that was taken from her hospital bed. So her mother said that she just clung to life and was determined to film this videotaped testimony that would be used against her attacker after her death. So Malinowski's harrowing story is now the subject of MTV's new documentary, The Fire That Took Her, streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The videotape was played for a courtroom in Franklin County, Ohio in 2018 after her ex-boyfriend was charged with aggravated murder, making her the first person in history to testify at her own murder trial. After hearing the Ohio mother's testimony, he was sentenced to life in prison for murder. And in my opinion, he deserves far worse. So moving on to our second to last one. This one comes from the Daily Beast. Title reads, Bystanders do nothing as teen girl is stabbed 22 times. A 16-year-old girl was stabbed 22 times and bashed with a rock, allegedly by her enraged boyfriend, because who else, while bystanders stood by and watched, according to news outlets in India. The fatal attack and the pedestrian's failure to intervene was caught on security camera. Officials said the victim quarreled with her boyfriend, an air conditioning technician, and so he followed her as she walked to the birthday party of a friend's son. Quote, Delhi has become extremely unsafe for women and girls, end quote, said Swati Malawal, head of a woman's organization, she said. I always blanket thing here, never mean any disrespect for mispronouncing names. So that is all that article says. I cannot believe anyone. It is just instinctual. It would be instinctual for me to intervene. 
what, what is going on with people? I don't understand. And so we've hit our last article. I've saved the best for last. It's not the best for last. It's the most disturbing. It's not the most disturbing. It is the most well-known, uh, whatever you want to call it. Here we go. From the BBC.com, Madeline McCann, police digging near reservoir. So police officers have started digging near a reservoir in Portugal in a long-running investigation into the disappearance of Madeline McCann. So the Arad Dam is 31 miles or 50 kilometers from where the British toddler went missing 16 years ago. The operation is being led by German police looking for evidence to link her disappearance to Christian Bruckner. The 45-year-old German national was made a formal suspect by Portuguese prosecutors in 2022. Christian is known to have visited the picturesque spot around the time Madeline, who would now be 20 years old, went missing. So sniffer dogs were used in a search of the reservoir's banks and police officers went out into the water in an inflatable boat. Uniformed and plain clothed officers spent a number of hours scouring the scrubland using pickaxes and inspecting small rocks with rakes and spades. Emergency services and officials from Portugal, Germany, and the UK held briefings near blue police tents erected at this site. Speaking to the German regional public broadcaster NDR, German state prosecutor Hans Christian Walters said the authorities, quote, have grounds to believe that we could find evidence there in the reservoir, end quote. So in a separate statement to German TV channel RTL, Mr. Walters said he would not give any concrete information on the clues on which this search operation is based. Quote, they are not tips that come from the accused, but you can imagine that we won't start searching somewhere in Portugal on the off chance, but that there must be a good reason for it. We do have one, but I ask for your understanding that I cannot disclose it here at the moment for tactical reasons. End quote. So around lunchtime, more than 20 officers were digging beside the reservoir. A number of bags have been taken away from the search area, although it is not known what is in them. There are reportedly four areas of interest to be searched this week. A short statement from the prosecutor's office in Germany has confirmed the search, but did not say why it was taking place. The Metropolitan Police said its officers were in Portugal so they can inform Madeline's family of any developments. Okay, so this is not the first time that the reservoir has been searched as part of this investigation. <sighs> so anyway, I really hope that they find something. I would love to see the end of this. I'm going to cover Madeline McCann. It's just that it was so just overdone and just stretched absolutely to death that I left it alone and I was kind of waiting for things to I don't ever want things to get quiet when children are missing don't don't get it twisted but get quiet as far as media coverage goes so that I can quiet my mind and really kind of look at this with fresh eyes and then kind of tell you what is going on or what I think is going on but anyway, that is the end of Monday morning murder in the news. I'm actually testing out a new microphone. So as I listen back to this, let's hope that it sounds really good. My other microphone finally died. 
Um, sorry that it's a day late, but uh, for those of us in the United States, a good chunk of us had Monday off, as I did, observing the Memorial Day holiday. The rest of you, I'm terribly sorry I left you high and dry, but let's have a good week. I start vacation this Friday, but I will not skip Monday morning murder in the news unless it's just because I'm out of signal or something. I'm not going to leave you guys. I promise. Have a great week. Love you guys. Have a good day.